Welcome to Thatch and Earth, your guide to conservation-focused travel. I'm Lawrence. And I am Phoebe. And we need trophy hunting. Apparently so. So today we are getting into probably the biggest debate in conservation biology to date, trophy hunting. This is a massively polarizing issue and everyone has an opinion, everyone has the right to an opinion, everyone's different experiences feeds their opinions and we're just going to get into it. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of this massive topic. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, Before we start though, I think it's worth maybe just explaining a little bit more about the aspects of trophy hunting that we're discussing today. Yeah, so hunting in Southern Africa has a lot of different facets and today we are just speaking about one of them. So trophy hunting is targeting and killing an individual in a population for a physical attribute. That might be the its tusks if it's an elephant or its head if it's a lion. Um, and that's essentially the prize that you get from hunting down this animal and killing it. There are other different kinds of hunting. There is canned hunting where it's not even essentially hunting really, is it? It's just no. sort of putting an animal in a cage and shooting it. And apparently... This animal only has to be in the cage for 36 hours for it to be considered a fair chase, which just doesn't make any sense to me at all. There's also subsistence hunting, which ecologically it's it's debatable, but is negligible. It has very little effect if you're just feeding yourself. There's also illegal trophy hunting. And, and we're actually recording this podcast on a very big day in the world of the trophy hunting debate. We are recording this on the 2nd of July, 2020, which is exactly five years from when Cecil the lion was illegally killed in Zimbabwe. And that sort of, that killing of that one lion, that lion was so iconic and so well known in the area, that shone a light on trophy hunting and the good, the bad, the ugly of the whole debate for everyone. And if if nothing else, Cecil's death led to people becoming a lot more educated about this industry. The way in which this lion was shot and killed was absolutely disgusting. It made me feel sick when I was reading about it in that it wasn't a clean shoot. It was with a bow and arrow to begin with, which I just, I don't know, doesn't make sense to me. If, if you're not dependent on that animal for food, don't shoot it with a bow and arrow. If you can afford a gun, use a gun. Um, but the, the way in which it was killed, it took 12 hours essentially for this poor animal to die. That was a really negative example of illegal hunting. We are not talking about that today. We are talking about legal trophy hunting and how it can, in some aspects, be really positive for conservation. Definitely. And I think the other thing to remember about all of this is it is a highly emotional topic. I mean, we are are intrinsically talking about some of the most iconic creatures in in the world. And we're talking about taking their lives. And that is definitely going to incite emotion and whether you fall or are against it you will as phoebe says naturally have an opinion and you may not necessarily always agree with our opinions and vice versa but it's always worth sharing them because once we start talking about it we can start you know getting a bit more insight and creating a little bit more knowledge around the topic and that's where it starts and i think cecil was one of the great examples of that he came in well he lost his life and he brought a discussion to the table throughout the world about what trophy hunting is and people started really talking and it has kind of fallen away with a whole lot of other things that are happening in the world at the moment per se but it's still a very important topic to talk about and it has a lot of ramifications not only in terms of 
just the management of the animals and of the area, but in terms of a whole bunch of other small attributes that we're going to get into today. But again, it can be in a very emotional topic and it does incite a lot of different feelings within oneself. So if you do have something that you'd like to add to it, please let us know. I mean, at the end of the day, there's no way we're going to be able to condense this kind of a topic in a single podcast. So if there's more that you'd like to know about or would like to add, we'd be very willing to listen and you know possibly have a discussion with you and see what we can come up with. Because at the end of the day, the more we know, the better we can be educated. And the better educated we are, the more we can discuss and teach. Definitely. Definitely. So I think when you've got a huge debate like this, it's just for like your mental ease. It's better to sort of divide it into a few different categories. And in this case, you can break that down into environmental reasons for and against trophy hunting, socioeconomic ones, and at the end of the day, ethical ones which feed into whether we approve of it or not. Precisely. So I think let's take emotion and the ethics and put that to the side because at the end of the day, that's going to follow through everything. And yes. if we're going to focus just on that, we're never going to be able to get through. <laughs> I think you and I will end up boxing a little yes. bit. So let's, yes, let's, we may fight. Yeah, so let, 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 let's put that aside. And for a second, let's just talk a little bit more about the science behind some of the stuff. And yes, there will be four, four and against opposing arguments to this, and that's okay. Let's start with the environmental factors here for a bit. Cool. Okay, I'll take against trophy hunting in terms of environmental factors. Um, one of the biggest arguments against trophy hunting environmentally is that you're negatively affecting a wild population, a population of individuals that don't need to be controlled. You are removing individuals, potentially that if, if, if you're targeting those individuals for trophy hunting, then they have a, a natural physical feature that means that they are probably genetically more um, virile, essentially, <laughs> in the population. Um, to a point after which, if you've got giant tusks, you're not going to be able to move as fast as the other animals. But you're taking that genetic feature out of the population only if that animal hasn't bred before it was shot. So you could be removing an old animal from a population that is just taking up space, or you could be taking a huge feature of genetic material out of the population. We can see examples of this across Southern Africa and Eastern Africa in the elephant's tusks are shrinking over generations. And it's thought that this is because we're taking those tuskers, those elephants with these massive tusks out of populations and therefore, they are not able to pass on that genetic material. So we're losing these features, which is a really strong argument against trophy hunting. 100%. But again, we're talking about trophy hunting in the sense that it is done the correct way, not the illegal ways and not the ways that are frowned upon. And the correct way of trophy hunting is quite a methodical process. Yes. And the people who are involved in that process are quite good at knowing which animals need to go and which animals don't. And I think one of the most important arguments in, in this whole sense is when you go look at a professional hunt with real hunters, with people who take this seriously, they know the animals that they're going to take out. They know that this animal is either old, like you say, that has you know, served his time or her time, depending on the mm -hmm. creature. And the other thing is... Then that animal in particular may be 
unable to be relocated and it actually in terms of management makes sense it makes sense to remove that creature from that particular landscape and these guys really know their stuff so i i hear what you're saying but at the same time there is the whole argument that these hunters per se are really really well educated in this field and they're not necessarily just going and taking out any joe soap maybe in previous in previous times where it was a little less restricted um, we had a lot of hunting go on that wasn't necessarily good for the population, but nowadays we've noticed that it, there, there's actual genuine benefits coming from hunting. I mean, case points improving, the white rhino population in South Africa went from dwindling numbers into an abundant well, abundant source and fairly, fairly strong numbers up until the point poaching came back in. Mm-hmm. But we actually brought the rhino numbers back, and a lot of it had to do with ethical and proper hunting. So... One can argue for it, but one can also definitely argue against. But at the same time, both have their place. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think really if it's ironic that if you take it from an environmental approach, trophy hunting actually plays almost like a greater good role in that you remove one animal from a population to protect the rest. And that's kind of where environmental arguments slowly start to transition into socioeconomics and in conservation today we can't really discuss wildlife conservation in an environmental perspective only humans and societies that we're in today view everything in economic terms and i think environmentally if everything was just protected as it is trophy hunting probably wouldn't exist but that's not where we're at right now. Everything has an economic value. So if we move into economics slowly, I would think that you could then argue, well, trophy hunting might provide all of this money to then protect the wildlife as a whole. 100%. I mean, you can't argue with that. I mean, one animal... One animal loses its life, but is able to provide for many other species, not just necessarily that particular animal species, but other overarching yeah, unbranded species that below communities it. and ecosystems. Exactly, exactly. And it it is a very interesting debate. But I mean, at the end of the day, if money was completely off the table, would hunting even be something that we wanted? I mean, I don't think no. I don't think many of us want. I know there is a huge group of people that love hunting. I'm not taking away from them. But I think overall, hunting isn't something that we want. In a, in a beautiful world, we wouldn't have hunting. But we're not living in that world. We have to view everything pragmatically. And we, we don't live in a world where wildlife roams free anymore, especially in South Africa and further afield. All of our wildlife is contained within a fence because humans do not get on with wildlife as a general rule. Conflict is always the case, and so our solution to that as humans is to put everything within a cage, essentially a fence. And because we've done that, we have then given ourselves jobs for the rest of time. As long as those fences are there, we will have to manage the wildlife that's within those fences. And trophy hunting provides a means of paying for that management to ensure that we don't just let everything go wild and eventually eat its way to extinction. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think the other thing to touch on in that situation is if you were trying to manage a farm from an economics point of view, being able to call in a vet, 
bring in a team to dart an animal, dart this creature, bring in a truck, relocate that animal to another reserve that also has to be willing to take that animal mm-hmm. and has to pay for that in mm-hmm. themselves, which will fetch a far lower sum than what a hunt would provide because it's not only the animal that, that is paid for in the hunt, it's payment for, for staying in, in a lodge and sometimes these hunts can go up to 30 days. Yeah. You know, one, one single hunt can have a group of people there for, for a month. You know, so it's it's more than just the animal that that is um, benefiting in terms of the money side of things. So, you know, the relocation aspect is very important and it works very well, but not everybody wants animals all the time and there is an overpopulation. And when that happens, hunting makes sense. Yeah, relocation is logistically very, very difficult, not just in terms of actually moving animals, but reintroducing them to reserves it can introduce disease it can introduce genetic issues you can then lead to conflict animal to animal conflict human to animal conflict it can affect territories like it requires years of research and if you have an animal that either needs removing or you'd like to generate funds for your protected area trophy hunting can be the way to do that and just like that we're branching back into environmental <laughs> it's, the lines it's, are very blurred it, they are and in, and again even even the way we're speaking a, a lot of it is coming from an ethical and emotional point of view yeah. it's, it's it's an overarching theme throughout this entire topic and it's possibly why it's such a hot topic and such a such a debated topic particularly between diehard hunters and diehard conservationists mm-hmm. which who claim that they are the same thing or no let me re- rephrase that Hunt, diehard hunters claim that they are conservationists at the end of the day. I'm not convinced, but I see where that argument comes from if we're speaking about economics. You know what? I, I can understand why you would say you're not convinced. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 it makes sense in, in the sense that if money was not a factor and the reality that we're living in right now was not the main deciding factor to this, I could, I could lean towards saying hunting is not important. But... We don't live in that world, and unfortunately, we have to make do with the choices we have. And in that situation, hunting makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. And hunting actually does become a necessary evil, if you want to speak it, it, it relating to what you're talking about. But it becomes a necessary point of view for maintaining a healthy ecosystem because it's a way, in terms of economics, to generate money. Yeah, but would you think that photo tourism could? Do just what tro- or provide just as much money as trophy hunting? No, definitely not. Why not? Well, hunting as a whole, one animal will provide a lot. Okay, l- l- let me slow down. My answer will probably broach into the environmental factor again too. <laughs> and it, 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 like we say, it's an overarching thing that's going to continue throughout the whole topic. But roughly speaking, economically, you will have more money come in from one elephant dying than you would get from one tourist coming in to take photos. That tourist would need to spend a lot of time in a reserve that is a pretty is going to charge you a fairly hefty sum for them to even come close to that figure. That's that's just monetary terms. I mean, roughly speaking, depending on where you are, elephants can go from you know, very low figures of the, the, the 15s and 20,000 US dollars all the way up to 50, sometimes even higher thousand dollars just for one animal. Mm-hmm. You would need quite a few tourists in terms of photographic tourists to come in to get a relative equivalent sum. Yeah. That's also not to mention the fact that that individual who's hunting that animal is also paying lodge fees. Yeah. 
as well as guiding fees, as well as food fees and a whole bunch of other levies. So money-wise, just money-wise alone, yes, for sure, the hunter will provide more than the photographic safari will. And in terms of environmental management, that hunt is actually giving something back. There is zero proof that the photographic guy who's come in to take his photos and spend his money, there's very little proof. Zero is probably the strong term, but there's very little proof to show that that individual's money is actually going back to the reserve. Yeah, I think that's a key thing. But you could also say that a, a trophy hunting, trophy hunter and photo tourist are only both providing money and that a trophy hunter is actually removing an animal from that environment, which isn't always a positive. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're, you're right. And again, it does also come down to going to a really strongly strong uh, a place with strong morals that is able to say this is an animal that uh, needs to go and that's why we're going to go on hunt this particular animal not just that's the biggest and the best and we're going to go for that creature even though that that creature has not passed on its lineage and that it actually will impact the the genetic gene pool by removing the animal from the ecosystem so but then you're not always removing an animal that's needs to go sometimes you're like 100 and that's what i'm trying to, to say it, it's can i shoot that animal please here's fifty thousand dollars 100 and that's exactly what i'm trying to say it, it, it's very important that when you go in these kinds of hunts that you are going to places that actually provide that kind of outlook to hunting if you're going to go to a place that's just going to say we're going to get you the best the biggest and the baddest because you wanted it and not because it benefits the environment that's when you start having to question whether it's an ethical place to go to yeah yeah, definitely. I think another big issue with photo tourism is it's selective. Like these tourists are going to places because they are pretty. Some reserves are much prettier than others in Southern Africa. And tourists might not want to go to these places. They might not have the big five and we have major issues with the big five, but they might not have these wildlife species that we're taught to look out for. They might not have these beautiful sunsets and vistas. And that is where trophy hunting can come in. Not for the animals, but for the actual land itself. Trophy hunting provides a way of that land staying wild rather than being converted to another form of money making. For sure. And I mean, some of, some of the more interesting places that I've seen, not just particularly touching on trophy hunting now, but just as hunting as a whole, that you know, allow people to come in and hunt in, in an area, they tend to actually be rehabilitated landscapes that are that were used for previous um, previous attributes such as farming uh, that have been taken over and they're kind of in the process of rewilding or they, they're quite limited in their biodiversity because of a previously or overutilized landscape. Are. Yeah, precisely. And also just because of where they are. There are some places that are literally so dry that the only... The only kind of landscape they can have is a certain select few plant species, which don't necessarily mean lots of animals can come through there. Yeah, not everywhere in Southern Africa is Kruger or the Delta. Fair Those enough. are yeah, 100%. the exceptions that prove the rule, really, of wildlife. Like, it's very rare to drive around and see species, 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 species. Exactly. More often than not, you're driving around and it's just like, oh, cool, another impala. Oh, cool. And, like, there's nothing wrong with impala. Impala are great. But once you've seen a thousand impala... It You're not going to stop though. and look at that yeah. impala again. Um, so yeah, I think I think a big argument for trophy hunting is is that exactly is that we need as much wild land as we can possibly get 
and not just for the species that it protects, but for the ecosystem services that that land provides. And these are all things that we don't even think about that benefit us as humans. And the more of this wild open space we have, the better for the planet. And trophy hunting allows us to do that. It means that that land has a value which doesn't pale in comparison to farming or to development. And there are people pushing on these boundaries constantly because the human population is growing. So we're going to need more food for more people and more ways for land to make money. Land, as humans, we see things in an economic term. That's how our societies have been built. So if we are going to protect something, it needs to have an economic value. And trophy hunting provides a means of land to have a value. Definitely. And I think... I think one of the, the most interesting things that I've come across from an individual who was a head of a conservation area that was helping manage a pretty, pretty intense and pretty high up there reserve. Um, when we sat down and had a discussion on a similar topic to this, he, he turned around and his words were quite, quite eye-opening and quite intense. And he said, at the time I was working as a guide, and he turned around and said, you know, if I if I had a choice, I would kick all you guides and this lodge off this reserve. And that kind of took us all a bit by surprise. And we, we asked him, well, you know, why? Because we, 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 we do provide to this area. And his, his words were, you, you give us money for sure, but I could get the same equivalent money from having two hunts a year than you'll bring in for having tourists at an occupancy rate of 75% plus for the entire year. And when he substantiated the argument, he said, from the environmental point of view, you impact our water table, you damage our um, surrounding landscape because you're having to drive every day Mm -hmm. on the same paths and often off-road. And also, some some guides would drive at excessive speeds, people would come in, you know, doing their daily commutes at excessive speeds, and a whole bunch of other influences that can affect the 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 well-being of not only the the big animals in the area but also the smaller animals and it was just a very interesting topic you know I'd never thought about it be well I never thought about hunting being something as important as you know just Im- impacting the environment or the money side of things as much as being able to Im- impact the environment and it kind of changed my view which was quite interesting because in the beginning I was completely against hunting I didn't understand it it wasn't for me and my opinion has changed. Yeah, and I think, especially in Europe, and I take I sit in quite an interesting position in that I was born in the UK, came from a Western country, very much in the like, oh no, we hate tr- trophy hunting, except we eat meat every single night from the supermarket. That's a whole other argument that I could definitely get into. Um, well, wait, hang on. Trophy hunting and meat are two very different things. No, th- no they are two very different things, but it's about harvesting animals. Essentially, it's harvesting. And I think that it's sort of putting wild animals on a pedestal. Fair enough. What's the difference then between, say, a cow's life and a lion's life? Yes. Is what you're trying to say. Yes, exactly. And fair enough, that makes sense. A life is a life, no matter how you view it, no matter what shape or form. But then the argument is that we have domesticated cows because we want to eat them. There aren't that many wild populations of cows out there that domesticating cows is save the wild cows from getting harvested, if that makes sense. Fair enough. But we've we do, not yet we do domestic- have... we, I know we've got domesticated rhinos that 
there's a guy in South Africa trying to farm mm. his own rhinos. As well as we and have we wild cattle. farming lions like crazy in South Africa. But it's, it's just sort of an interesting argument in that we, we somehow put wild, wild spaces and wildlife on, on a pedestal compared to the food. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I don't really know what I'm trying to say. I, I, I get, no, no, no. You know, you know, I, I actually, I understand, I understand where, you go, where you're going with it, though. And it's, it's, it's a very, very tough topic to talk about because even still, you know, you, a life is a life no matter which way you view it. But we obviously place certain lives higher than others. And that is not a rational way of thinking. That is 100% an emotive way of thinking. Yeah, very much. And I think what I was going to say before I started talking about putting meat on the table, um, for some reason, is that in Western countries, we are told that tourism will save everything. But we've also seen the negative side of over-tourism. In Western Europe's version of the bush is ancient cities. France, Italy, the UK have all got these cities which are stunning and beautiful and are just absolutely incredible. Like how they made that church in the 1200s, God knows. But we view it in the same way in that we're told tourism will save it. Yet in Western Europe, we've seen the negative impacts of tourism in these big cities and photo tourism has negative impacts in southern africa too in that you're it's not the savior it's not perfect and it's not beautiful like the whole point of thatch and earth is that tourism can be powerful it can educate people and it has a means to to really create conservationists around the world but and that's only if it's done correctly i think photo tourism can can be negative especially in your sort of national parks where people are self-driving around causing chaos for animals stressing them out like the very reason that we started thatch and earth was a terrible lion sighting that we saw with loads of cars those lions weren't chilling at having their normal behavior they were being herded by cars and is that not negative definitely and again it, it it's a it's an ethics thing you know yeah and it, like we say it's an overarching theme that goes throughout this whole this whole landscape but i mean the other the other th- aspect to look at here is the local individuals that are living or the local communities that are living around these conservation areas you know is there benefit to them in this whole grand scheme of things of trophy hunting well trophy hunting photo tourism who actually benefits more yeah. do they do either of them actually provide any benefit yeah i think this is a really really key issue so generally whenever humans and wildlife live next to each other especially in southern africa the result is conflict humans don't get along well with wildlife because often if people are living next to protected areas those people tend to be farming Animals love food, as humans love food. Wild dogs like to eat goats. Elephants like to rip up crops. And eat oranges. And eat oranges. They love oranges. And they really like oranges. Humans also like oranges. And farming is designed to make money. That's the purpose of that land. And when a wild animal comes in to feed itself, you've created a conflict. And trophy hunting might just provide a way for a community to get money which doesn't mean that they're dependent on farming which could get destroyed by an animal 
And it makes sense. It really does. But I mean, could you not argue that photographic safaris, to a degree, could also add to that contribution if they're working in a lodge that is transparent about where their money goes? Yes. Yeah, definitely. You can have... A lot of lodges are doing amazing work with community involvement, community development, and things like that around their area. So if photo tourism is done correctly, you can provide a means for communities to be less dependent on agriculture surrounding a protected area. But again, does it provide enough money? That's the big issue. Well, I mean, there would be lodges in the Saabi region that would probably say yes. But do they provide the money back to the communities? Well, some of them, some of them is a strong term, but I would say the vast majority that are in the, the upper spectrum that take in high in clientele are very good with their campaigns to benefit the communities around them. And they're pretty transparent about what they do. Yeah. There's a lot of work that goes not only to the communities, but also to the anti-poaching units in the area too. Yeah. You know, and some of them even facilitate their own anti-poaching units as a a whole. So, you know, there is a debate that, that could definitely be argued there. But again, what happens now to the lodge that is in the backside of Mm -hmm. the Kruger that nobody would ever go to? Mm. Yeah. What happens to that lodge? Because if that lodge isn't maintained, we're going to lose that wild area. And when we lose that wild area, what happens? We lose the wildlife as well as the, the general biodiversity and ecology because we're going to have people come in and they're either going to flatten the land for farming or there's going to be a lot of small developments that live in there and their subsistence farming and their subsistence with cattle are going to pretty much eradicate most of the plant life in the area and you're going to have a massive issue yeah and i think botswana and namibia are really good case and case studies for this because they've essentially taken different approaches so botswana band hunting went for super high-end tourism sort of high money low impact tourism but completely banned hunting to the point that you couldn't carry a rifle when you were walking in the bush and that worked well it still but, does. But you'll speak to a lot of communities in protected areas and they'll be like, we need to bring hunting back. The elephants are going crazy. Botswana has a massive elephant population. And it's all well and good sitting in Western Europe saying, oh, that's fantastic. It's amazing. Until you go and sit in a village where you're trying to grow food to feed yourself and an elephant comes and eats it. And an elephant could probably get through like a full field of food in one night. Well, look, there's there's no denying that the the conflict between humans and elephants in this particular situation in Botswana is a growing concern. There's no denying that. And particularly coming from the two of us who have spent a lot of our time in Botswana, Mm -hmm. particularly around areas that are, you know, very susceptible to this kind of behavior and actually speaking to people and seeing, seeing the damage and and losing people who are close to us, you know, going, going for a cycle uh, on the outsides of the reserve, but the fencing hasn't been maintained properly, and that poor individual loses his life because he was just trying to get home, and an elephant took him out. You know that that happens on a regular basis, and it's increasing more. But one of the other things to say is is there's also been research to suggest that the elephant population is no doubt increasing because of the maintenance of the area and that the hunting isn't there, but also because hunting isn't happening in Botswana, it's a safe haven. Yeah. And animals are able yeah. to, from other, other outside countries are recognizing this and they're actually finding ways to get through on corridors and different means and getting through fences and 
breaking into Botswana's safe zone. And that is also adding to the population. It's outsiders coming in too. So would that not, if that was true, and that was properly documented because it's there's there's limited research on it. But if it was properly documented, would that not suggest that trophy hunting as a whole is not necessarily needed? If we're taking economics and environmental management out of this equation and just looking at it from that point of view, would would yeah. it suggest that hunting is actually not something we need? Yeah, I think if you can follow Botswana's model of the really high-end tourism that it's generated... But I also don't think that that's a very good form of tourism because you're blocking out 90% of the population that can't actually afford to go and stay in Botswana. Um, and I think, I think it does have its place, but the, the negative impacts on the communities in the actual local area aren't considered enough. And the value that trophy hunting can provide to those communities is, is extremely high. And, and I mentioned Namibia has taken a completely different model. Namibia has done incredible work with, uh, it's called CBNRM, Community-Based Natural Resource Management. Um, and essentially, higher-end management governments have said, here you go, this is your land, do with it what you will, within a certain criteria, of course. And trophy hunting has been managed by communities there and that's actually also been proven to be really, really valuable because it is the whole crux of what Botswana is not doing. It's giving communities a way to earn cash that doesn't involve farming, a way to embrace wildlife because it's got a pound sign or a dollar sign or a rand sign or whatever it is. That elephant walking along is actually valuable and shouldn't be killed because it's raided your crops. You don't even need to grow crops anymore because you can purchase food. And it gives the wildlife a value. It means that it's better off alive until someone wants to shoot it, which when you say it like that, it it doesn't sound right. It's, it's such an emotive topic in that the, wild, the, the elephant is worth more alive until someone wants to shoot it. That just sounds so wrong in my head. But actually, we have to treat this as a whole industry in that we can't, sort of view view it like that we've got to view it as a way for people to want to to protect their wildlife because it's got a value definitely and that's that's actually the key thing it has a value if protecting wildlife and protecting wild areas was where we got our money and our value from it would be a no-brainer. Yeah. Everybody would be jumping on board saying, protect, protect, protect. And we'd probably have a lot better solutions than hunting and photographic safaris as a way of preserving natural landscapes, yeah. as well as allowing people to feel like they can be involved in it. And it, it, it's it's just a really interesting topic and a very interesting debate to have because they all inter- it's, it's completely intermingled. And... As much as we want to separate emotion, environment, economics, they all interlink with each other, as well as from the basic consensus about this whole topic is that we cannot have an environment without tourism. Well, we we could if that environment could pay for itself, but it can't. 
if if we had to look at it from the pragmatic point of view as we are right now, we yes. couldn't have it without tourism. Yes. But we most certainly cannot have it without hunting. Yeah. If it's done correctly, we cannot do it without hunting because I... hunting helps. It, 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 there's no doubt about it. Without hunting, certain certain areas would not be able to maintain themselves. Yeah, definitely. And I think the the key thing, like if it's done right, the problem is that southern africa and the world the world as a whole is affected by corruption everyone says oh this money is going back to this community or this money is going here and the problem is that we're dealing with a world where it's it's a bit shady to begin with in a lot of respects and we need to ensure if if trophy hunting is clean and the industry is without corruption the only issue is that you're removing animals the the money goes back to where it's meant to go but right now there's a lot of examples that of where it's not and that's something that needs to be fixed before if trophy hunting is here to stay which frankly the the sort of utopian world that we're aiming for trophy hunting won't be in it but if we're we're sitting in this world we're being very pragmatic and that trophy hunting does have a value it needs to be a much more corruption free industry than what it is right now Definitely. If if we could if we could eradicate the, the major issues that come with corruption, I think we could do very well with a lot of things. And it would branch into other things rather than just hunting. It would definitely help with our poaching incidents too. Yeah. And I mean, one of the, the most important things to view hunting from my point of view is, is if if I was to go on a hunt, which I don't do, I'm not a hunter and I don't go on hunts and I don't participate in hunting. It's not because I don't necessarily believe in it because obviously after listening to this there is definitely some merit to believing that it works it it's more of a case that hunting is something that should be done outside of a vehicle it should be done in an environment where the animal has the upper hand at all times Mm. it's not about you know sitting from a comfortable position with your special tripod and your You've just stepped off a vehicle and the animal has been tracked by some tracker from days ago and all you had to do was arrive and shoot the animal and leave. That there, there's absolutely no there's no reward in that. You can't hang that animal up there and be proud of that and call that a trophy. To me, if you're gonna go and do this properly and you're gonna go and do trophy hunting, you need to have a hunting team where you are up early hours of the morning, every day, you're tracking that animal down on foot. And you're using the appropriate equipment and you are also versed in how to hunt. You know, the other aspect of all of this is if you are going to go hunt, make sure that you actually know how to use the weapon that you're using. Because the the most horrific stories come from the professional hunters when you hear that these people go on hunts and they absolutely have no idea how to handle the weapons that mm-hmm. they're using. And not only is the animal already having... It, 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 it's going to die. It, it's suffering either way. But when you go and shoot the animal and it really is maimed and it runs off and it dies and it takes hours for it to die, particularly if it's a strong animal like a buffalo or a lion, it, that really becomes inhumane. Regardless yeah. of how you want to put it, to let an animal suffer because you didn't practice or didn't learn how to use the weapon is there's absolutely no excuse for it. Yeah. And case point and proven with Cecil. 
Yeah, although, exactly. That was like 12 hours that he was suffering. Although there are hunters out there who are proficient with a bow and arrow. And I mean, proficient to the point that they could take down big game. Yes, definitely. 100%. They are, they, there are people out there who have that talent. They are few and far between. Yeah. And again, bow and arrow or a rifle and you're on your, you're on your two feet, that animal has a chance. It has mm-hmm. a chance to run. It also has a chance to attack you, and there are very, very interesting examples of where animals have actually gotten away from these these incidents because they were met on a more level playing field, so to speak. I suppose your argument against that, though, would be that the animal doesn't have a rifle, and no matter what kind of upper hand or claws or tusks or speed the animal has, the rifle always wins. Exactly, and... There's no clear-cut answer to it. No, no, there, there, is. there isn't. And unfortunately, it it's one of those things where emotion will play a huge factor in how you decide or where you fall in the line of this. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the way we need to move forward in this is to do it in a way that is as ethical as it could possibly be. Yes. And unfortunately, the world that we live in at the moment doesn't allow us to say hunting can be abolished and be scrapped off the table, particularly subsistence hunting. But if you want to look at trophy hunting, that's definitely something that still is also very much on the table at the moment. We could probably get away with not having trophy hunting at all if money wasn't a factor. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we need it. Yeah, I think think that is the, the basis of this whole debate is, and I've said it so many times in this podcast, I can't even remember, is that humans view things in economic terms our whole societies are built on money not necessarily a bad thing it's honestly not a bad thing but the problem is unless something has a value we are not willing to protect it very few people are in a position to invest money into something if they're not guaranteed a return that's bigger than the investment that they made or equal to the investment at least and that is where trophy hunting and tourism come into it because there is a very small sector of industry that is now working on green investments. But these are very long-term investments where you're not guaranteed massive return within five years or even 15 years. You're looking at at least 20 years, if not longer. But right now, land really has to be used for its highest value. Protected area is useless it doesn't make money unless it uses tourism or trophy hunting. Tourists aren't going to go to an ugly protected area. That's just kind of how it is. So that is where trophy hunting fills the gap. It is not the be-all and end-all. It can work quite happily with tourism if it's spread out geographically. But until land has a value, until wildlife has a value simply for its existence, which is extremely utopian and probably will never happen, especially now in the state of the economic state that the world is in, trophy hunting is here to stay. Because ironically, very, very ironically, it's actually less destructive than other land uses. Some could even argue it's less destructive than tourism. I think the only other thing that we could add to that is that there is a third option what um, is that that we tell? haven't we haven't actually discussed, and I think more than ever, one of the it's one of the more important things to bring up is that game breeding is a possible third option in this playing. But field. is game breeding not feeding into tourism? 
or and, and, and that's where the argument comes in is game breeding can be really valuable in areas that aren't necessarily going to attract large amounts of tourists tourists particularly in the photographic scene or in the the high-end luxury scene but the majority of those places are creating or generating a, a, a set of livestock as you will to sell to places that either promote hunting or promote tourism so at the end of the day, even if you have a game a game breeding area, unless they can earn money themselves by not contributing to those two fields, which I don't see how it's possible not to, you, you, you're not necessarily going to be adding to the whole thing. All you're doing is adding in a, uh, an extra step in the process. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily ensure that the land is protected as well as we are reducing the impact that we have on that land as well at the same time yeah yeah i think the impact is the argument against tourism really the the infrastructure that trophy hunting requires is a lot less than tourism trophy hunters generally aren't as um exacting about the lodges that they want to stay in or the luxuries that they require they just want to kill one animal or a couple i don't know and that's where trophy hunting could be less impactful than tourism. Definitely, and I mean, look, this is quite a this is quite a heavy podcast. As is, it, it's it's full with a lot of negatives, and it's 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 as we said in the beginning, quite emotional. It's it's not an easy topic to broach. It's most certainly not an easy topic to talk about, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of like we've said also throughout this podcast, varied opinions. Definitely, and. It's something that we would like to open up to the rest of you who are listening. And if you have something to say and you would like to have some feedback on it, please let us know. Let us know what you mm. think. Because it's really important to get as many different perspectives as we can. And we may not have touched on certain aspects that are quite important. Yeah. And I think this goes so much further. And there are like whole departments at universities studying this. And if you want to read more or get way more in-depth than what this less than an hour podcast will have given to you, um, go onto our website, thatchandearth.com, and check out our blog on trophy hunting because in that I've sort of broken down the arguments about trophy hunting and I've also added a load of references at the bottom so you can really read about this, see what what real-life data is showing um, because I think that's that's where you can kind of take the emotion out of it a little bit and you can actually see what the numbers are saying because one of these papers actually found that trophy hunting has protected more land than national park, national parks as a whole in southern and eastern Africa. That's a really interesting fact and I think that's something that you could get further into. It's, it's an ongoing debate and it's something that we're continually learning about and continually getting new perspectives about and I think from our experience we've been personally working in the bush but as people who haven't been born right next to a protected area and have been dependent on the land I've come from a very western culture of oh no protect all the animals and I think we've we've seen loads of different perspective, but it's, perspectives but it's something that we're learning about continually. And I think we we're not going to have any clear-cut answers anytime soon and I 
it's definitely a case of they all need to work together in order for us to move forward. Yeah. There's there's no there's no clear cut answer in saying that we can have one without the other. Not in the way not with the way society has structured ourselves around nature conservation. Unless there's a massive reshuffle, but yeah. I don't see that happening Yeah, I don't see it either. And I think at the end of the day we've got to be pragmatic. We can live in some sort of beautiful fairyland of oh, wildlife is perfect and everything's conserved just because it is. But that's actually not what's going on. And we need a way to make money. And if trophy hunting is that way to make money, which allows protected areas to be protected, then it's here to stay until we find a way to value land and wildlife simply for existing. Exactly that. And I, 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 as, much as, as much as I want to say we can carry on and dive deeper and deeper down here, I think... For now, let's let, let's maybe leave it at that. And yeah. again, we really encourage you to get involved in this because this is definitely not going to be the last part of this. And we would like to get some opinions and feedback. And obviously, if there's any arguments to this, we would love to hear it. Yeah, I, th- I think it's really important that people engage with this. So any comments, feedback, let us know. You can check us out on um, Instagram at Thatched Earth. Also the same on Facebook or message us on um, thatchandearth.com and let us know what you think it's really important to be as educated about opinions as well as just science in this topic as as much as possible for sure and we we love nature you know as uh, we, we wouldn't have been able to sit down and just rant on about this if we didn't find it somewhat appealing yeah so definitely so we'd love to share that with others. And I think that's also touching back on it. The whole point of why Thatch and Earth was created was to be able to create a space that broaches these topics and creates a conversation because the only way we're going to start actually learning and moving forward as a group is when we start talking about it. Yeah, I think avoiding the topic does nothing for anyone. And it's really important to start, start engaging, start learning and see where we get to. Couldn't agree more. And we really appreciate you listening to us and taking a little bit of the time out of your day to really broach this topic with us and until next time i'm lawrence and i'm phoebe and thanks for listening to thatch and earth peace